Hello and welcome back to Inside the Click, your creator economy podcast. I'm Michelle. I'm Monica. And today we have a very special guest. We have Alexa here from Charm Lane. We talk a lot about Instagram, the algorithm. She has a ton of expertise because she literally used to teach Instagram story school. So it's a really fun conversation about authenticity, diversification, which we know is going to only happen more in 2024. Let's do it. I heard about this podcast on TikTok. I saw like a clip and I was like, wait, I'm looking for a podcast that covers exactly the creator economy, staying up to date with all the trends. And I listened to, I'm not even kidding, every episode. And I was like, who are these girls? And then it was you. (laughs) And Michelle and I feel like we met probably like over a decade ago. Was that SantaCon? Yes. Like 2012. I don't know. Yeah. How do we all know Um, each other? Y'all met at SantaCon? Mutual friends or? Yeah. Mutual friend that you went to college with, right? Yeah, Joe. Who I have not talked to in forever. I just saw Really? Oh my gosh. But yeah. And it was in a totally different environment. Yeah. Lifetime. That's amazing. <laughs> Wait, how did I get here? <laughs> like crazy. But no, I'm excited to chat with you guys today. I feel like I've learned so much from the podcast. I love all the different formats you guys do. You do the educational one, then you do like a deep dive episode. So I've been loving it. And I tell all my creator friends, you have to listen to this podcast. It's so informative. Yay. Oh, that makes me so happy to hear. Sometimes you, you know, it's oh. like sometimes you create and sorry, my do- dog is usually my dogs it's go totally to daycare. Fine on recording days, but they're going, I'm going to DC, um, later this week. And so I'm just sending them to boarding, but I think a lot of times you create content and sometimes you don't really get the full effect of how it's landing with people. You get the social media Mm -hmm. affirmation, right? You get views, things like that, but sometimes you don't really know the depth of it. And I would even be curious for you, you post this content, you create all the work to do it. And you don't necessarily hear from one of your followers the piece of like, oh my gosh, you have to go follow Alexa. She has like the best ideas, all of that. Right, right. And that's what I feel like hard about being a creator. But at least with Charm Lane, what I've done is I really try to focus and curate like every single follower is a follower that I want more followers like them, right? So hyper curating who I want in this community. And I think when I started this, it was more about figuring out like, who am I talking to? Creating like an archetype in my head. So I actually get a lot of people messaging me being like, oh my God, I love that post you just did. And that's always really reassuring. It's like, wait, okay, you like this, that's good. But I'm really focused on the insights and the analytics. Like everything I do, it's because Dana told me to do it. Um, Or some sort of like SEO trend keyword that I found. So that's why I love your podcast because I feel like you guys lean more on the data than on the fluff. Yeah. I think and that's why I've been learning so yeah, much. Yeah, I think there's a lot out there that's understand your persona, understand the story you want to tell, but then they don't really tell you what to do with it once you create the content. Right, exactly. And I feel like I have such a competitive advantage, I think. And I never knew, like, I'm going to be a content creator. I worked at Facebook for the last seven years. <laughs> if you told me when I was going out on maternity leave, seven months ago that this would be my full-time job. I'd be like, that's weird. What? But I, I don't know. In April, I just had this moment where I was like, I've been teaching creators. So I taught Instagram story school at Facebook and Instagram for probably five of my seven years cool. there. 
and then manage a lot of different programs and different teams and events and was working one-on-one with creators. And then I was on maternity leave in April and realized I'm like, you know what? I'm so bored. I have this like little newborn. He sleeps a lot and he's my second. I was like, let me just take everything that I've been teaching for so long and try to apply it to something myself just for fun. Within a month, I was like, wait, I can make this my job. And then took a leave of faith. I left like two months ago and didn't go back up to maternity leave. And I'm so glad that I did because I think it's about a mindset. And I feel like you guys talked about this on an earlier episode. I was spending hours and so much of my time working for someone else, like when I could have been working for myself. And it's easier said than done. I just was able to figure out how to monetize something I'm passionate about and to come up with a long-term plan for it. So you can't just be like, I'm going to be an influencer. And then like tomorrow, quit your job. Don't do that. But if you come up with a pragmatic plan, it's totally feasible. That's also interesting though, that you used to coach the Instagram school because you could argue Mm -hmm. that you have years of really understanding things. It isn't like you did it on a whim. You have a bunch of people's data to look at and you've taught it a ton of times. So you just like Cinderella, glass slipper fit and you just went with it. And I never, I actually, full transparency, I was a YouTuber for a couple of years before ever working at Facebook and Instagram. So I always loved creating and always wanted that spin on things. But I just thought working meant having a nine to five and working for a big corporate company. And I didn't even realize during my time at Facebook that I was getting the exact experience I needed to go out on my own and make my own path for myself. Because to your point, Michelle, like I was learning what was working for people, what wasn't working for people. And then honestly, like the ins and outs of the algorithm. And I know people have a lot of like a big love-hate relationship with it. Right now I'm probably on like, (laughs) Um, but it's just like the seasonality and time of year for sure. But I have all of that knowledge helping me know when to go all in, when to back out a little bit. And also I think 2024, my only, like I have a word for every year, it's diversification. If you're an influencer, which also I don't like that word, yes, but we need to talk if about you are that. and you're, uh, I, I can't with it. It's, it's such, such a weird word, but I feel like influencers were born on Instagram, right? Like they weren't really born anywhere else. And when you're an influencer, right? I think if you're hanging your hat, just building a business on the affiliate income you're making on your Instagram stories, I think that's the scariest thing you could possibly do. (laughs) So that's why for 2024, I'm really focused on diversification. So I wouldn't even call myself like an Instagrammer. I'm more of a blogger. Like the time I spend is more on my own platform and building that out because I own it. And honestly, like I like writing and spending my time there. Instagram is just like a fun community that I've like built and where I got started. It was like my springboard to really figuring out what I want to do with that. So a lot of my creator friends too, we talk about this a lot. It's you cannot have all of your eggs in the Instagram basket, but I feel like that's the most traditional understanding of someone who calls themselves an influencer. It's because they have probably like some sort of presence on Instagram. And I think there's so many better tools now that people can lean into. TikTok, I think is great. Tomorrow you can have a hundred thousand followers on TikTok. You you never know. Whereas Instagram, it's really hard to build that community. And also, like, I know you guys have an episode on Flip, right? The social oh my gosh, app. buy it. 
I have a bone to pick with them, which I am oh my God, not what? happy about. And I was like texting Monica when this was happening. I ordered four things. It was probably 60 plus dollars because you get a ton of discounts. And right. they sent me a package with a single eyebrow brush. And that is it. It wasn't even anything that I ordered. And their response to me is, can you initiate the return and then return this item? And then we can like, you can repurchase things and we'll send you again. And I'm like, uh, no. For essentially <laughs> like a probably $6 eyebrow brush. That's insane. Yes. It should have just been like, keep it and we'll make sure that your other stuff gets to you. Yeah. Anyway, I'm a little lukewarm on them right now, but have you started using Flip? I use it as a consumer, but I don't want to post on it, but I think that's the way of the future because even right now with TikTok shop having its moment, whenever I go on TikTok, I don't even realize, but I'm just being sold to every TikTok video. And I used to love the Susie story times on TikTok. I didn't want to be sold these compression leggings. (laughs) But I feel like that's what's happening to TikTok. And I'm hoping that maybe goes over to a platform like Flip or maybe like within TikTok where you can just go to the shop section. I don't really necessarily want to be like sold to every TikTok. I agree. And I feel like I've talked about this in the past, but I think that kills a lot of creativity because Mm -hmm. people feel pressured to only talk about things that are sellable rather than maybe something that is a part of their day-to-day life or maybe they actually are here to create content in so many other ways but feel like they have to throw in a perfume just because they're like I have to find something to sell and it takes a lot Mm -hmm. of the creativity and just freedom because people feel pressure to sell something all the time because they're like if I'm going to do this put all this effort I have to make money I have to make it work And so now all of a sudden, it's almost like they've overcompensated and just gone way too deep on the selling. Then at the same time, where's that line? Because the platform is pushing selling. I think that line Mm -hmm. is a really interesting place. Totally. And I feel that as a viewer, because I'm I'm not a creator on TikTok, but I open the app and I'm like, oh my God, okay, here we go again. (laughs) There are those, there's that magic like bra again that everyone's selling. Like I keep seeing the same things. And now I'm even on the side of TikTok where it's like, how to set yes. up a TikTok shop. I'm like, I know. I don't want to know how to set up a TikTok shop. Like I'm good. Thank you. But I feel like we're on the precipice of everything changing. Oh, I agree. And I almost feel like I, I got in at a good time, almost too late. But there's so much runway ahead for this whole entire industry, I think. There's a lot. It's going to happen. And even just in the past like, two weeks, I feel like everything's yeah. changed. <laughs> and so. even beyond social, I feel like you're starting to see it when it comes to these affiliate platforms. And creators used to be all in on LTK. That was their number one thing. And now you see creators diversifying using the different platforms. And I feel like this is only the beginning. And whatever is to come in the future, I think all these platforms are going to be creating something that we don't even know exists yet out of necessity to Mm -hmm. be like, okay, how do we make sure that we don't lose in this diversification process? Because creators are only gaining by diversifying, right? Whereas these individual platforms, 
they are taking hits because nothing changes from the creator side. Like a link is a link that converts and maybe the commission rate is higher here or there, but the people really getting the hit mm -hmm. are the platforms. So they're going to have to innovate. They have to. And I feel like right now, this is my like POV as a creator. I feel like we're in the era of like blockbusters yes. mm -hmm. with all the, like there's Howl, there's LTK, there's Collective Voice, which like I love the data on Collective Voice. There's ShopMy, there's so many platforms and also like Target creators, Walmart creators and Amazon influencer program. I need someone to come in and be Netflix, yes. you know, like who's going to be my Netflix and is that going to be the social platform? Is that going to be everyone just going out and creating their own platforms or are the affiliates going to evolve with the creators, right? And I feel like I, I heard somewhere that this, the company that backs all the affiliate platforms, like they've been around oh, forever. Oh, like 20 years. You guys were talking yeah. about it. Yeah. And I'm like, should they do something? I'm like, because for me as a creator, and I talk about this a lot with my friends, it's like, okay, today I'm going to share a Target link. Should I do it through Howl? Should I do it through my new Target storefront? Like, what has more commission? Do I need to meet any sort of goals for one of the platforms I'm on? Like, it's like a whole song and dance of figuring out when to share. And I personally think LTK is a great platform because the only one with a consumer facing exactly. app. Yep. I personally think they need, I think they need to sell it yeah. more though, because I'm training my audience to be like, here's how you use my LTK, right? Shop my LTK. Here's a link to it. There's a lot of on the creator to educate, but I imagine a world we're circumventing Instagram or whoever they're getting from LTK and just going to LTK that would cut out like a lot. And I think contextual shopping is really important. And if people just went to LTK, instead of going to Instagram, they're already more primed. They're in the shopping yeah. mindset. And even when I think of my behaviors as a consumer, I needed to go to a wedding a couple months ago. I'm like, okay, I need a dress, like a newly postpartum, like nothing really fits me. I went, I didn't go on Instagram and look for creators that I like their style. I went on LTK and I searched like, wedding guest yeah. dresses. And I'm like, this would be nice if everyone just did this. Because also I like how when there's an affiliate platform that someone can have a storefront yeah. on or like an LTK shop, someone's there because they want to shop. They're not there because they were looking at pictures of their niece's birthday party. And then also like got intrigued by something yeah. you shared. They're there because they're like, I need to buy something. And it just feels less, exactly. It feels less fake. It feels more authentic. So what's wild um, to me about this, because I've spoken to people at different platforms outside of LTK and all of them are so resistant to creating a consumer facing app. They're all like, we don't want to be LTK or that's really usually the hat that they want to hang on is that they don't want to be LTK. But I'm like, there is just as much power in owning the consumer part of the funnel as owning the creator part of the funnel, because then you basically own the entire mm -hmm. funnel. And it's right. from a business perspective, it's like, why would you not want skin in the game on the consumer piece? Wild how these platforms and I've spoken to two really big ones and they are just like we will never I'm it's wild yeah because I feel like that's the secret sauce of LTK and Alexa you mm -hmm. even said it like when people open the app they want to shop so I think that that's why all the platforms that don't have their own platform they would feel diversification more because if you happen to not use them in 
your story where you've pre-primed people to click. And if it's just like, oh, niece's birthday party. And by the way, here's my cute shoes, but here's all the kids. They're going to pass that over. And then that platform's not going to get anything. Yeah. But it is, LTK is just like synonymous with the app, which is just such a bummer for other platforms. Mm -hmm. But it's like other platforms could make the choice to keep up, create their own spin on it. It doesn't have to be copy paste, but it's just because Instagram existed didn't mean that TikTok would never exist. I feel like it's such a limited mindset Mm -hmm. for these tech companies to decide, oh, we already lost. So actually, question, Alexa, diversification. We talk about that all the time. Mm -hmm. Like you're on trend. How do you think that next year, and you already listed a lot of the platforms, right? Target Creator, LTK, Collective Voice, Howl. If you decide to use Impact, how would mm-hmm. you manage all of that? Because it that's one thing that I think that some of the companies and creators, like you can benefit, but then more work mm-hmm. is put on you to manage all of that. So it's like, Yes, the monetary benefit may be worth there, but if it's going to take more of your time, like how do you think you'll approach that? I think for me personally, it's two things. One, it's like, where do I like spending my time? And where do I see the most like ROI on my time? If I'm creating content that I like to create, it's just going to land better because it's more authentic and people are like, okay, I shouldn't just throw this together because she had to put a post up. It's like, oh, this was well thought out and it's made for me like the person I'm trying to target and if I like it I I know they're gonna like it like there's just more love behind it so I think about my creation process as okay are they gonna like this good I like creating it makes me feel good there's a lot of people who there's like a specific format of a reel and everyone has to make that reel to get followers it's like if that's not fueling me I'm not going to spend my time doing that because I know it's not going to convert if it's like not fueling me it's like the cycle right the second way I think about it is every piece of content that I make, I it's like a mindset. I think of it as like my employee. I put it to work for me. If it's on my Instagram feed, I'm putting it on Pinterest. I'm putting it on my website. I'm including it in my email newsletter. I'm popping it on my LTK shop. I'm putting it in my Amazon storefront. Like I'm putting it as many places as, as possible because I'm just like, I'm a one woman show over here and I don't have this big team. So I'm just trying to work smarter, not harder with what I can produce. And I know we were talking about this. There's so many different platforms, but if I could link something on LTK and it's all Amazon things, I can also put it in my Amazon storefront. And I can also put it in my tap to shop with collective voice. Like, why wouldn't I do that? Because in the consumer journey, if they happen to land in my Amazon storefront, but originally my intention was only sharing it to LTK. They're in Amazon ready to shop. Like they're not going to go all the way back to my LTK. So I just try to make it as easy as possible and make it as easy as possible on myself to get my content out there. If I'm taking the time and effort to create something that I love to creating and I know my ideal audience likes, I'm going to make sure it's everywhere it needs to be. You can't be everything to everyone. And there's so many different platforms. The only currency is time is how I look at it. And if I can just maximize my time spent and really focus on ROI in everything I do, I feel like that's how I was able to go full time with this because that's been my philosophy from the beginning. It's like, how can I just be as smart and organized as possible and 
a lot of my followers will even message me and they're like, thank you so much for making it easy to shop. Sometimes I see things and I have to go down a rabbit hole to find it. That's also like zooming out diversification. Like I want it everywhere. I don't want to just be affiliated with one platform. I want to train my shoppers to know, okay, I can go read a blog post, but also I know if I'm on the email list, I'll get exclusive content, right? It's all about just education and just working as smart as you can. And then eventually I know people who they do hire out help. They have VAs and they have a team. Um, With me though, I'm like, I enjoy, it's hard to figure out what I want to outsource because I really like everything that I get to do. On a more granular level about this, what do you prioritize when it comes to actually creating the link? So let's say you have something where you could either link it straight to that retailer's website or to a bigger a brand, like let's say Nordstrom. Do you go based off commission rate or do you go based off of the store that you think your audience is more likely to shop at? Or does that thought process even cross your mind at all when trying to decide where to create the links for? It does cross my mind specifically because Howl, one of the reasons why I love using Howl is because they have dynamic linking. So they know where my consumer is more likely to check out. So I can just find a product and be like, okay, I'm going to share this Charlotte Tilbury highlighter. And I can just use my Howl dynamic link because I know they're going to figure out on the back end, like where to send that person that's clicking the link. And I feel like there's some sort of secret sauce there that I think every other platform needs to go that route. Mm But when I think of, and I think it's genius, I love working with Howl. Wait, wait, actually, really fast on that. Do you ever get feedback from your followers? Or I guess my big concern with that is you would potentially set an expectation that they would be going somewhere. And then in reality, they're driven to a different retailer. I guess if you don't Mm -hmm. do that and you just more so share the highlighter, as opposed to being like, you can get this at Ulta or whatever, then there wouldn't be that expectation to break. But have you ever gotten feedback from one of your followers on, like they weren't directed where they were expecting to go? That's a really great question. The only thing that I think has happened is I'm like such a rule follower. Like I know you cannot send a direct link to Amazon. No, you can't do that. So sometimes people will message me and be like, can you share, can you send me the link for that Amazon tray that you shared the other day? And it's like, I want to make it as easy as possible for them, but I'm not breaking the rules ever. So I'm like, okay, here's the link on my LTK shop to that tray. People are like, oh, okay. But I, and sometimes and they're like, why did you send me the LTK? And I'll be like, I know I don't want to share a direct link. I just follow the rules. And they're like, oh, I didn't even know that was a thing. Like, don't worry about it. As long as you have your tray, good luck. Thank you for asking. But with Howl dynamic linking, let's say if it's like an Ulta sale, I'm going to turn off dynamic linking. Cause if let's say I'm doing like a post or a story series and it's like, here are my favorite picks from the Ulta sale, if I'm sharing my favorite picks from the Ulta sale and someone gets sent to buy that product on Nordstrom, they're going to be like, what? <laughs> What's going on? I want to use the coupon code for the Ulta sale. So I'll try to be intentional and be like, okay, I'm turning off dynamic linking for those because the content pillar is the sale that's going yep. on with that specific re- retailer versus the product in general. But usually I just try to mix up the products and make it less focused on the actual retailer of the product. Unless it's like my favorite J. Crew picks, I can't link out 
J Crew anywhere else but J Crew. Yep. On the note of Amazon, have you played around with URL Genius? I was on URL Genius for a little bit, but now I'm on Jot URL. I like the ease of deep linking. What I will say is I've noticed, and I don't know, I feel like all of the platforms are probably feeling this, like the affiliate networks. Story views have dramatically decreased since October, mm -hmm. right? Have you guys talked about Meta AI? No. Yeah, no, we haven't. Yeah. Okay, it's my best oh my friend. Gosh, Basically, you could talk to the Instagram algorithm. So obviously, like I feel like I know the algorithm a little bit better than like the average person because I worked there for seven years. But they just came out with this thing called Meta AI, and in Instagram, you can go to your messages, you go to create a new message, and you can chat with Meta AI. And you can ask it anything you want. You can be like, hi, I tried this the other day. I'm like, I have X number of followers. I want 40% story viewership. Give me the exact blueprint I need to follow to hit that. Boom, automated response. I followed it to a T. I got my 40% viewership. Like it will tell you what you need if you ask it very direct questions. It'll like, it's literally like talking to the algorithm. So I asked it, I'm like, can you tell me about the October 2023 algorithm updates to Instagram? And it responded and it was like, we prioritized deprioritizing accounts that shared too many links. And I'm like, that's probably why a lot of accounts were saying, okay, mid-October, right around after Prime Day, uh, Prime Big Day deals ended, like my story views dropped. And it's probably because everything you do on Instagram is a data point. So that's why when I was starting my account, I was really intentional with everything I did, every word I entered into my bio, every comment I left, every follow, every interaction, because they have data points on how many links people have been sharing in their stories and how much, at the end of the day, traffic you're driving out right. of Instagram, right? With deep linking, every single time I put a deep link in, I'm kicking someone out of the Instagram in-app browser. I think that's a strike against me. And I even asked I, my new bestie, yeah. my robot bestie, Meta AI. And it was like, yes, we are doing that. I'm like, I knew it. I think, yes, deep linking is amazing because the conversions are so much higher. But if Instagram is your sole platform, I would be really intentional with how many links you're sharing. Because at the end of the day, I have whatever number of followers I have. I could There can be an account. I have friends with a million followers and we get the same story views at the end of the day. So we have the same reach. Maybe it's because of every single data point Instagram has and how it's treating your account based on how many eyeballs you're going to keep in the app specifically. Right. I think that's the only thing Instagram cares about. It's like if you're creating content that makes people spend time in the app, it's going to push out your content. That's exactly so that's what happened with there. Facebook, Facebook back in, in the groups. Yeah. One thing I totally want to try talking to the internet bestie, but this yeah. goes back to Monica in one of the first episodes that we had, which, oh my gosh, embarrassing if we go back and listen to those, but you made a comment that everything is in front of you. Like they're oh, sharing yeah. stuff. What I will die on this hill that the algorithm isn't trying to kill your business. Like I go no. in, I just... I get really frustrated when people hang their hats on that they're never going to be able to meet their potential because they're always at battle with the algorithm. And I'm like, the algorithm wants you to succeed because if everyone created things that were so bad that no one stayed on the app, there would be no app. 
So why would the algorithm mm-hmm. ever want to do that? And I think it's really right. easy. And this is where mindset comes in. It's really easy to want to blame something on an external force mm-hmm. that you can't explain, right? Like you can't explain the algorithm. So it's an easy target because whoever you complain about the algorithm to, they can't really vouch for it either. Like most people can't <laughs> be like, actually, this is why you're wrong. So it's like such an easy target, but I just, mm-hmm. I've never bought into it that your content creation business has to be a constant battle with the algorithm. Correct. And I feel like a lot of people use it as their scapegoat. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, the algorithm hates me. If I ever see any sort of dip or shift, I zoom out. Because to your point, Instagram wants eyeballs on Instagram. Like they want people engaged in the platform. Zoom out even more. It's like they make money through ads. So they want content on the platform so they can put an ad in between Monica's post and my post that creates an ad space for them, right? Like they want to encourage creation and fresh new ideas and people coming back to the platform because at the end of the day, they want to sell ad space. And that's honestly my number one gripe with Instagram. When I was a YouTuber, I got money via AdSense, right? There maybe is a future where maybe Instagram is doing ad revenue sharing with creators to help compensate creators because at the end of the day, I've never received a check from Instagram for my account ever. It's because of the platform I've built where brands want to work with me or I can use it to share links to products that I earn affiliate commission on. But people are like, oh my God, Instagram is trying to kill my business. It's really not, (laughs) to your point. It's just maybe suppressing your reach because you're driving a lot of traffic outside. Or maybe your content isn't hitting as well as it used to. Maybe you changed something. Maybe you yourself aren't spending the amount of time that you did before. What I will say is if you give to Instagram, you can't take away. So let's say if you're sticking to a consistent posting schedule and one week you go on vacation, people are always like, oh my gosh, I came back from my beach vacation and I have zero story views. I have no likes, I have no comments. It's because Instagram was probably like counting on you is how I think of it for that ad space. And then you just let it down and it's going to get mad at you. Same thing if you're spending $1,000 on advertising and you just stop spending on ads, it's going to be a little shocked. So how I think about my consistency level is what can I personally commit to as a creator? Because I never want to get to a place where I'm posting two reels a day and one post a day. And and then one day I'm burnt out and I can't do that anymore because Instagram will slap your wrist, I think. I (laughs) do that. that. Yeah. And that's probably why the algorithm is hating us because maybe it's just you weren't as consistent as you used to be or your content's changed or people are just swiping away or you're kicking people out of the app too much and they don't, like that's a data point that someone left the app when they engage with your content. That's not good. So every link you share has to be like the best link ever. And I think you mentioned it, I think it was today's episode, Monica, you're like, everyone's trying to sell a Stanley cup and a belt bag. (laughs) Let's not share that anymore because people aren't going to click that link anymore. They already have their belt bag and their Stanley mug. And know know where to find it. They know where they can go to lululemon.com. That's right. Exactly. So I think of everything I share as premium space where I'm not going to squander the opportunity. Because the, especially right now, like everyone's a creator, 
every brand is trying to wrap up Q4. There's just so much content right now. Same amount of eyeballs, if not less eyeballs than there were in 2020 when we were all glued to our phones. So it's just increased competition, increased amount of content, more creators, and then the same amount of people looking at Instagram. So it's going to feel like reach has definitely dropped since the past 18 months or even last year. That's a really good point with the overall platform size. Because if you have all the same amount of people, but then you have more creators, the overall, I guess, like circle isn't getting any bigger. So then you need to pay more attention to data and how I I was going to say when you were like, oh, um, the algorithm is your friend and it gets mad at you. I'm like, oh my gosh, you can totally tell you still work at Facebook. But it's that's a good way to think about it because it's not like there's this tension. It's like you need to understand what its Mm -hmm. goals are, and then you both raise each other up. Yes, exactly. And in story school, what I would teach is Instagram is telling you exactly what it wants from you. And if you're a creator account, if you're a business account, you just go into your professional dashboard. Like when I first started doing this, I was like, okay, I'm going to try reels, I'm going to try posts, I'm going to try stories. I'm going to see what has the most engagement and most reach. And then hopefully it's something that like I like to do because then I can spend my time there more. And then it's like a snowball effect, like going in a good direction. So that's what I did. I spent like the first 60 days. I'm like, I'm going to try out different types of content and then see what works based on the insights. I was surprised to see that like my posts get six times the amount of reach as my reels. And I think that's just because of Reels in general in the past two years. Like everyone knows Reels is the way to grow on Instagram. So everyone's making a Reel. Maybe right now, if Reels aren't slapping for you, you have to pivot to a carousel post or a static feed post or doing a live. Maybe that's how you're going to get more engagement. But the answers are in your professional dashboard. It's telling you, here's what we want to see more of, because this is how your reach was so much more than this other form of content. So that's why I think Instagram's good because it gives you that data. But then also at the end of the day, you can lose your Instagram account. So I think it's really important to have a platform that you own and you're not just doing everything based on having one social media account. There was even a post today that I saw on Facebook in like this blogger group I'm in, someone lost their Instagram account. And I actually lost my account for a full week and I'm pretty confident I would never have gotten it back if I wasn't like a current employee well, yeah. at the time. Yeah. Uh, when I was at it, LTK, like, when I worked there, maybe like maybe once or twice a year. It didn't happen super often, but one of our top creators, Instagram accounts would get shut down and it was literally all hands on deck asking every single employee, does anyone know one person at Facebook? Because creators were looking to us mm-hmm. at LTK, you know, as the experts to be able to support them through something was difficult, mm-hmm. but it was like, okay, I think so-and-so two years ago started working at Instagram. Is anyone still friends right. with her? When it really was all hands on deck. We just need to find right. a human. Someone, yeah. 100%, because I feel like that, and even working there, I probably helped 100 people get their accounts back. It was always like, hi, my my boyfriend's cousin's account got shut down. Can you like put in the special form that you can put in? Otherwise, I think it's a black hole. And even if you're meta verified, that's not like account insurance of you're never going to get shut down. Sometimes it's really, it's a mistake. Mine was like so random. It was just too much traffic on one post. And they're like, no, this must be spam. 
I'm like, I wish you would shut down the actual spammers. Yeah. <laughs> okay, fine. But it is really hard. And honestly, if you have a creator and you're an LTK and they're bringing in a certain number of revenue and the only way they're driving that is through their Instagram, like, of course, you're like, how can we help them? And that's why I think all the platforms right now probably are even feeling the dip in story views yeah. since the October algorithm update, because it, a lot of people just sell on their stories and not so much in feed or reels. And now that the reach is decreasing, I'm sure at the end of the day, the affiliate networks are feeling yeah. that too. Yeah. You know what's funny is they gave the ability to link out in stories. And it's just funny how things yeah. evolve because they yeah. gave the ability to easily link out. So then people did it. And there were probably like too many people are linking out. So now we got to shift back. Yep. 100%. And I remember when you had to have 10,000 followers to yeah, that's know, swipe why, but... up. But now everyone can link mm-hmm. out. And I even asked my robot bestie, I'm like, how many links in 24 hours until you suppress an account's reach? It said max two. It'll give you answers. It'll be like Amazing. no more than one to two in 24 hours. They're like, if you share more than three, your reach might be suppressed. So it is very clear in to me at least. I'm like, okay, they don't want me driving traffic out of Instagram. So a lot of my creator friends are like, oh my God, I am having a really bad month revenue-wise. It's because my reach is really down. I don't think we should be hanging our hat on one specific medium within one specific platform to make our income. That's really scary to me. And and that's why I'm more on the blog. And with one of the creators that I'm thinking of who lost their account for, I think it ended up being two weeks, but because she had Mm -hmm. such high traffic to her blog, she was able to still go live with all her sponsor posts. She didn't have to put any campaigns Mm -hmm. on hold. She had an email list as well, where she emailed everyone Mm -hmm. on her list, hey, this is what's going on. So she had really set herself up for best case scenario if something like that happens. And it proved mm-hmm. to work. And yeah. then she was able, once it was back, she was able to send an email to her email list, put up a thing on her blog, like all the different things. And she is like the perfect case study of she set herself up for success in case XYZ happened. Right. I think your only insurance policy is your website and your email list. How? Because even trends, what if... Gen Z doesn't want to go on Instagram in five years. They're like, oh, it's toxic. I don't want to go on it. (laughs) Then what are you going to do if you have this massive following on one platform that's not future-proofing your business? Stay tuned. Part two of our conversation with Alexa will be released next week.